Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Fonz DeFalco, Kyle Russo, and James Montefusco. Guys, it's been two weeks. Welcome back to the show. Tom, how are you? What's up, Tom? We're doing pretty good. Uh, (laughs) Just a couple technical snafus. Uh, we are on Google Hangouts tonight. If you want to join our live broadcast, please click on the link. Just make sure your mic is muted, and we'll be happy to take any comments. Please comment in our feed. Follow our Facebook page at Review and Preview LIU. Follow our Instagram and Twitter at Review and Preview. We are live tonight for the next two hours, and a quick rundown of how our show is going to go. We're going to recap all the sports moments of 2019. Then we're going to talk Giants, Jets. We're going to move on to some NFL free agency. We'll talk about Fonz's Ravens. We'll rank the NFL team free agencies. And then we'll talk some collegiate sports. We also have a guest caller at 9 o'clock, John Goodnow. He's going to talk some Iona Gales basketball hoops with their new seasoned head coach in Rick Pitino. So before we jump into things, I am wearing a... uh, uh, a bandana that says prom king on it. It's my week 15 NFL quick picks punishment. I am making up. There will be a video tomorrow on Saturday, just a, a random, you know, uh, piece of, uh, you know, Looks decoration. Good. I like it. <laughs> I'm wearing. I think you should wear that, uh, wear that more on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Fonz. I appreciate it. So, all right. Obviously over the past week, our guys have been sharing their favorite sports moments from 2019 on Instagram and Twitter. And this idea was brought up by James and James, first and foremost, let's talk about your favorite sports moment of 2019 and what it was for you. So my favorite sports moment, I don't know if you guys saw the video or not. Uh, you guys can rewatch it. Uh, just scroll on our page. It's right there. Um, was when I went to the Mets game, I believe it was August 9th. Um, against the Washington Nationals, uh, Stroman's first Mets home game. Um, that was a great comeback win for the Mets. Um, you know, starting out pretty hot and then cooling off and coming back in the bottom of the ninth. It really made, I mean, the stadium was sold out. It really made it like a playoff atmosphere. It was very cool. Yeah, no, I I agree. That was a great way to kick it off. Um, I know that you were at that game personally, right? So it was a great experience for you. Um, Now, I believe, Kyle, you were next. You talked about your favorite sports moment of 2019. Uh, Tell us what that was about. Uh, Yeah, so, Tom, last year, September 22nd, week three of the New York Giants football season, Daniel Jones, sixth overall pick, all the doubt in the world uh, by New Yorkers and NFL fans in general. Uh, he comes in, they go down 18 points at halftime, I believe it's 28-10. He comes out the gate after half and just shoots the lights out. 75-yard touchdown to Ingram. Also got to remember Saquon goes down in this first quarter, so he's really lacking the support that he needs, especially as a, a first starter in, a first, in his first game in his NFL career. Comes all the way back, 10-yard run with a minute and a half left in the game for a touchdown. Matt Gay misses the final kick, the final score, 32-31 in this game. Excellent, excellent game. Fantastic performance, and it gave you hope as a Giants fan. He, I mean, I'll sit here, and, and I'll take responsibility, I guess you would say, for my actions, but I hated the Daniel Jones pick. 
I hated it, uh, along with a ton of other New York Giants fans, along with a ton of other football fans. A lot of fans in general hated the pick. They thought it was stupid. They thought it was a reach. Uh, people thought that Daniel Jones could have been a quarterback that could have fell to 17 in which the Giants could have picked him then. Could have even fell to the second round, but it gave you hope, especially after having a guy in Eli Manning who's been the quarterback of this team since 2004. So to, to get to get a guy like that, having the season he did, yes, he struggled a little bit throughout the season, but having a guy that you, you can see has some bright spots in his career. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, that was one way to put it, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing that moment. Daniel Jones, first career NFL start. I remember listening to that on my way home from work on the radio and Jones scampers into the end zone. Fonz, you were next. Yeah. And it was a special one for me. Guys know, uh, I know more to build but I'm a lifelong Ravens fan and uh, it was November 5th, the Sunday night game. Ravens, Patriots at Ravens, it was my first ever Ravens game to see in person. And I went with one of my buddies there, Alec Walsh, shout out to him. He's a Patriots fan, so of course the fans didn't like him there in his Gronkowski jersey. But I was wearing my Lamar jersey and just to be at a game, uh, I haven't been to many NFL games, but to be at my first Ravens game to see Lamar Jackson dominate uh, in the likes of like Mark Ingram, Marquise Hollywood Brown to see them in person was great. That Marlon Humphrey fumble return for a touchdown was incredible. Incredible, and to beat the then undefeated Patriots at the time, 37-20, to 20, I believe, was the final score on the top of my head. It was just a great time just to be at a Ravens game finally after so long. And I got my first picture with a Ravens player. Shout out to Gus the Bus Edwards. Hopefully they can uh, bring him back. Gus Edwards. He's been on that team for a while now, right? Yeah, he's been on there for a few seasons now. Nice change of pace back for Ingram. I read a stat, I think it was the other day, that uh, Bilal Powell, running back on the New York Jets, similar change of pace back, similar to Gus the Boss mm-hmm. Edwards, as you had the pleasure of meeting. Uh, he's been on the Jets since 2011. That's longer than 20 NFL quarterbacks have been in the league. Cam Newton got drafted the same year, I believe, too. So that is kind correct. of had the same tenure. Yeah, the same tenure. I think, off the top of my head, the only guy who's around this as long as Von Miller, because he was drafted the same year also. Fun fact Friday. I just beat Tom in the fun fact. One nothing. We're starting off. Fonz is up one nothing. Yeah, right. you know, I, I, I am this week's loser. Let's uh, keep that in <laughs> mind. I am not a winner here on Review and Preview. Um, although this, I believe now it's my 80th full show as the host. Um, I've been host for a little over two years. I've been on the show for um, almost four, about three and a half years now. So, you know, it's, it's been... Yeah. Thank you. It's been uh, it's been a long ride, and great to be back. Great to be bringing you guys content here tonight. My favorite sports moment was next. I talked about Eli Manning and his final home start. Uh, say what you want about the guy. Probably, you know, received a lot. Probably the most criticism out of any New York sports athlete during his tenure. Um, but the guy showed up. Uh, he beat the Miami Dolphins. Put up thirty six points. Helped his team in scoring the second most points they did as a team at all this past season. Um, And you know what? I mean, the vibe in the stadium, that game was just different. You knew there was something to really be passionate about. And Fonz is a football fan, I'm sure you know. And James and Kyle as giant fans growing up watching this guy. I mean, Kyle, you had Eli Manning as your quarterback since you were four years old up until now. So you don't really know any different. 
No, I don't. And that's why my moment uh, with Daniel Jones having that game was so special because you, know, you can make an argument that over the course of the last two decades, Eli Manning has probably been the most successful New York athlete. You know, outside of the Yankees, where has there been really championship pedigree brought to the state of New York, the city of New York? It's just been the Giants and the Yankees. I mean, you can say the Mets back in 2015, but not getting the World Series. But other than that, he's been the guy. He's been the most successful athlete, maybe outside of Derek Jeter, I would say. But he's he's brought a lot to the city. He's been a lot to remember, two Super Bowls. It's been a great ride. Yep. And that was clear, clearly my favorite moment, my favorite athlete. So three of our season callers actually shared their favorite moments, too. Um, thank you to Andrew Scarpacci, Hank and Dichter, and Gabe Flayton. Uh, Andrew shared his favorite moment. Um, Washington Nationals winning this year's World Series. Hank talked about the Blues winning the Stanley Cup after being at the bottom of the league in January, just three months before the playoffs started, which is insane for an 82-game season. And then Gabe, Vikings fan, uh, brought up his moment, then beating the Saints in the playoffs this January, part of the 2019 season. So thank you to those three for giving us that content. We appreciate it. And if you want to share your favorite moment, comment on our Facebook page, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. All right, so um, let's talk some New York Giants here for a minute. Now, Fonz, uh, I'm actually going to start with you and put you right on the spot because you talked about this um, on your JDF Sports Show earlier this <laughs> week with your buddy from Bonaventure, Alec Walt. Yes. Um, so there's been talk about the Giants trading out of the fourth overall pick. Dave mm-hmm. Gettleman as Russo alluded to on the script, has never traded down in a draft as a GM. With the signing of Austin Johnson at the defensive line uh, the defensive line position, do you believe it's possible that Gettleman will do this for the first time in 2020? Uh, trading out of the pick, I mean, it could be very likely. I mean, you're going to have teams like the Dolphins and the Jack- uh, Jaguars, uh, the Chargers, excuse me, that, yeah, they only are a spot or two back, but that could make a difference if they want to trade up for Tua or Herbert or whatever. And, listen, the Chargers or the, the Dolphins, they'll be desperate enough to be like, hey, we'll give you this and a couple other picks, maybe a player if we just move up two spots or one spot for our guy. It could very well happen. I mean, I, I would think the Giants would also. It wouldn't be bad if they got extra picks. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, in my opinion, I think the Giants will probably end up staying in that spot. Um like you said on my JDF show with the Transfer Portal Podcast, you can check out every Thursday on JDF Sports. We'll have to do a little plug there. We did our own little mock draft. I actually thought the Giants would be best if they took Tristan Wirth, the tackle from Iowa. I know I talked to you guys about it. You guys kind of disagree with me, and I get it. I get the thing with Isaiah Simmons. He's a very good player, but you want to protect Daniel Jones. I definitely think you should keep continuing to build that offensive line. And I think uh, Wirth is probably one of the better offensive tackles in that draft class, so... I would think they would more likely select a player, but if the right deal comes from Miami or LA for like to move up a spot for Tua or Herbert, I can see them doing that too. Uh, right, and I see your point. Uh, now, my only argument to that is, and I, I think Kyle, you might have a similar argument here. Our pass rush was the weakest length on the team last season. And I really think Isaiah Simmons is our guy. Granted, he's also he's an he is a linebacker, yes, but he's an edge rusher. He's an outside linebacker that could fill in the shoes of a guy they're not going to bring back, like Marcus Golden. And 
Kyle, last year, if the Giants were able to get to the quarterback, they would have won more than four games, in my opinion. Not just not just that, but just protecting the quarterback. I know another little fun fact, maybe not so fun for us Giants fans, I mentioned in the chat earlier this week, is that last season the Giants gave up a total of 43 sacks, and 11 of those alone came from Nate Solder, the left tackle. If the Giants didn't have Nate Solder at the left tackle position, they would have ranked uh, they would have went from the 10th spot among sacks given up to the 25th spot. Just with that one move alone of removing Nate Solder from that offensive line. I understand the importance of where the offensive line comes into in protecting your quarterback. I'm all for it. But the problem is, is that, Tom, like you alluded to, is that the pass rush is so bad, it has yet to really be addressed in this free agency for some reason, even though the Giants have spent close to around $70 million so far. They have yet to really... Get that guy who's going to get to the quarterback. You could argue Kyler Fackrell, but that's about it. Blake Martinez is not going to be that guy. Um, other linemen, Lorenzo Carter, he took a step back last year. You need that guy in Isaiah Thomas, uh, Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Simmons, who's going to be the plug for that defense. Hey, he's Fonz is rubbing off on you. He's getting comparisons to Jamal Adams, not necessarily position-wise, but just the guy who's all over the field and making tackles, making moves left and right. He's just an all-around type of defensive player. And I think if you if he's available at that fourth overall pick, I don't know how you could pass up on him. I saw the combine stats of Tristan Wirfs. He's fantastic. He's an animal. But just Isaiah Simmons being that need on defense that the Giants have, you just can't pass off. You cannot pass up on that. Here's my opinion. If the Giants are in a different spot, we have a different argument. If they trade down... Which, if they trade down, the ideal team to trade down with would be Jacksonville, right? Because mm-hmm. Ngakwe clearly wants to be on the Giants, and he's made he's he's made that public. That's one of the teams he's been looking for. Uh, yeah. If you really want this guy, trade the number four overall pick, and you can even add a player like I don't know if they'll take him, but try to add Leonard Williams to the deal. Probably won't happen. Would but, you add Evan Ingram because they would want a tight end too? Right. Yeah. Which is something I really haven't considered because um, I believe their starting tight end right now is either O'Shaughnessy or Koyak. Um, no, they actually signed Tyler Eifert, I believe. So I think he would be there. All right. Oh, and Jackson. Okay, yeah. yeah. Then maybe they wouldn't take two tight ends like that. Uh, maybe. Well, know. here here's the problem. If you're the Jaguars, I'm still looking for a tight end because you, you have Chark, you have Fournette, you have Gardner Minshew. Um, their offensive line could, could be improved. And with Eifert as well, and if you're able to uh, swap a deal for Evan Ingram, that's not a terrible offense. It's not. Uh, but any anyway, um, the other players that have been involved in trade talks for the Giants now are Dalvin Tomlinson and B.J. Hill. Um, James, w- which one of these guys do you think has the best chance of getting traded if the Giants do trade? You know, that's a really good question. I would, I'm would. i leaning more towards B.J. Hill. Um, I don't know. I can't tell you exactly why. Meanwhile, I should be coming up with that, but just some gut instincts telling me they would rather move on from B.J. Hill, keep Delvin Thomason, and go from there. Yep. I'm going to piggyback off that point. So I I agree with that because Dalvin Tomlinson now is the longest tenured starter on the defense. 
Yeah. Um, so he has the yeah. most experience that can lead all the newer guys in a sense. Right. And he's taken strides forward and he's our nose tackle. We don't have a legitimate replacement for him as where BJ Hill now is sitting behind Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. And you could even make the argument Austin Johnson. So he's sitting behind that three to four guys. Well, I'll tell you this right now. He's not a starter. No way. He's no, not, he's not a starter no. on, on an awful defense. He's not even a starter. So, and he is a valuable piece. Um, maybe they wait until the regular season to try to make a deal. Um, I mean, me personally, I'm not sure. I, I don't see it. I, I go with Dalvin and there's a couple of reasons. Dalvin is now 26 years old. He's going to be a free agent after this year, which means you're going to have to pay him. And I don't, I really haven't been that impressed. He hasn't been up to the standards of a second round pick in my personal opinion. He has not been that guy. And the Giants are going to have to throw either a ridiculous contract at him in which he may not deserve because we've seen what they've been willing to give to Leonard Williams, $16 million franchise tag. When the guy has barely gotten any tackles, let alone a sack since joining the Giants or let alone yeah. the Jets over the course of the last year or two. On top of the fact that with Dalvin Tomlinson, not, not Dalvin Tomlinson, B.J. Hill. B.J. Hill last year as a rookie, he actually had a really, really good year. He accumulated five sacks in his first year, and he had a decent – I think he had a, another five sacks this year, I believe, or something like that, along with Lorenzo Carter. I like B.J. Hill, and I love Dalvin Tomlinson a lot, but it just doesn't make sense money-wise. Because what's going to happen, Saquon's car, contract is coming up. They have to plan this out smartly contract-wise so they have enough money to put towards Daniel Jones because he's going to be a franchise quarterback, to put towards Saquon Barkley because you don't draft a running back with the second overall pick in the draft unless he's going to be a part of your plans long-term. And I think he's shown talent-wise that he deserves to be on a team long-term. Calvin Tomlinson, next year, if he does get re-signed by the Giants, it's going to be a massive contract unless he's tagged. But I don't know that he's going to be tagged, and we don't know that. And I'm asking you now, Tom, is, is Dalvin Tomlinson, because you could make the argument that Dalvin Tomlinson has been better over the course of the last couple of seasons than Leonard Williams, is Dalvin Tomlinson going to be worth $16 million a year? Or even $16 million for one year? Because that's what Leonard Williams is making under the tag. If you remember the deal they made with Snacks Harrison, who was the predecessor to um, Tomlinson, the Giants gave him, they, they threw money at him, if you they remember that. And my thing is the nose tackle isn't going to give you, you know, five, six tackles a game. That That's not their job. Their, you know, their job is to penetrate the line so that the middle linebacker can come in behind him and make the stop. That's, that's usually what they're notorious for. Uh, from a financial point, I see where you're coming from. But here's the problem with that. Um, then you're just making the defense worse now, and I think you're creating a hole that you don't have at the moment. As where B.J. Hill last year played all 16 games, had one sack and 16 tackles. Um, partially due to the fact that Leonard Williams came to the roster. It's it's a very complicated, complex situation. I think this is all hearsay. 
right now. These are rumors that are spreading. Uh, Hill has a lot of promise. So does Tomlinson. Uh, my only argument is that if these guys were reversed in years, then we could easily make the argument is BJ Hill worth, you know, like 10 to 12 million or whatever, you know, and it's basically um, a strength of our defense that I don't think we should uh, trade away. Uh, I get one last point. I think it might be the most important point out of all of them because we've seen it over the course since Dave Gettleman has taken over the team. Dave Gettleman has gotten rid of every single person that he has not signed nor drafted. And he drafted B.J. Hill. He did not draft Dalvin Tomlinson. And knowing that he's on a contract and he's going to be up, I, I if this does happen, if it comes down to trading either one, I think that I'd put my money on Dalvin Tomlinson being traded. Age, contract up. It wasn't Dave Gettleman's pick. That's my personal opinion. You know, I mean, and look, I know I've been backing up Gettleman on a lot, on a lot of things, but I, I want to say one thing. Marcus Golden is only asking for $10 million a year, yeah. and then you're you're just wasting money on guys like Fackrell and Austin Johnson. You don't sign those two guys. You could sign Marcus Golden, and then yeah. you don't have a problem now where you can keep Hill and Tomlinson. Why take two steps back when you can take one step forward? That's my question. Marcus and Goldman showed he is he able to produce. Since when so, does a guy who get ten sacks ask for ten million a year? I'd give it to him. I would. He would have been the first guy I would have signed a free agency. This is hundred oh, percent. This is the only potential issue that I could see. Fackrell is twenty five. Goldman's twenty nine. That's the only issue in Gettleman's eyes. That I can see. But at the same time, you need veterans on the defense. You need veterans. And once Betcher left, every former Betcher tie got eliminated. That was just the reality of the situation. And he was a Betcher tie. We saw it the year before with Josh Morrow. Yeah, he didn't put up 10 sacks, but he came in, he played pretty well. In the 12 games that he played, they let him go. Antoine Bethay, former Betcher tie. Not that he was good, but he was a veteran. Gone, right? So... These are just moves that um, the goal one in particular doesn't make sense. I think getting rid of Bethay was the right move. But um, yep. so Kareem Martin, too. Kareem Martin as well. Yep. James, I want your opinion. Who do the Giants take it for? Who do, who do you think? Four. Yeah. I think personally they got to go with defense. Right. Russo, I forget what you shared earlier in this week in our group chat. Could have been a joke. It could have been an April Fool's thing. <laughs> Whatever it was, I asked you, what's the pass rush? Pass, pass rush. Yeah. And you said, I don't know. We don't have one. Yeah. And we need to solve that personally at four. Because yeah. if you let Marcus Goldman go, yes, he was the only one that was producing a pass rush. But if you get a good pass rusher, um, isn't there somebody from Clemson? Simmons. Simmons. Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. If you get him and Goldman on either side or working together, I think we're looking pretty good. I would go with four with Isaiah Simmons. Yes, it might be a little high, but we need it. Look what we did with Dan, um, Daniel Jones. We took him at, what were we at, three last season? Six. What, 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 uh, oh, we were six, whatever. Yeah. Um, where we took him and a lot of people were surprised, I think we have to surprise him again and get a pass rusher. So, and here's the last thing I'll say on this, and then we're going to move on. 
Um, Dave Gettleman's first two drafts, he drafted an offensive player. He drafted potentially his franchise running back and his franchise quarterback in the last two drafts. Can he potentially snag his franchise pass rusher in this third draft? That's the question that'll be left to be seen. Or will he draft a franchise tackle, which is an important position? Can't do it. There's a lot of of good pass rushers um, in this draft as opposed to the offensive tackles. Because yeah. after, like, the like, it's uh, Beckton from Louisville, Werfs, and then uh, Andrew, Thomas Andrew Thomas from Georgia. After that, it's a kind of a big drop. Decline. Pass rushers, you have Isaiah Simmons, like you said, Chase Young, which obviously Giants aren't likely going to get him. You Turgos Matos, Clavon Chasson, AJ Spenza, and then you get lower to John Greenlaw, Terrell Lewis, Mario Davidson. They're not, I know they're not star name players, but they're actually very solid pass rushers that they could get. And then they would go for a tackle at the four spot. That's just what I would think they would do. That's just me. Here's my problem too, and Fonz, I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because the Lions are locked in on Jeff Okuda. They 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 shipped Darius Slay to Philadelphia. He's gone, right? Yeah. They're drafting Jeff Okuda at three. Oh, unless they take. Apparently, there's rumors they're going to take two, which I don't think they need to do. We know, right? And I agree with you because Matthew Stafford is there. Um, Mm -hmm. The Lions are locked in at Okuda at three, and the Bengals are locked in at Burrow at one. Mm-hmm. The Redskins are not locked in at Chase Young at number two. Mm-hmm. If the Redskins screw up, Chase Young could fall to the fourth overall spot. And then that makes your problem a lot easier. Yeah, no. I mean, I mean if Chase Young is available at four, then screw my pick for attack. This, take Chase Young, absolutely. This would only be by default. Of the Redskins messing up, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen because Ron Ron Rivera is there now. I don't that's think it's going to happen, but um, just something to think about. If mm-hmm. you know, but because clearly they didn't draft Haskins either. The, this new coaching staff. So mm-hmm. all right, um, other Giants free agent signings. We talked about James Bradbury coming in from Carolina. Uh, he's he was a good signing. I thought maybe not a fifteen million a year, but the Giants desperately needed a cornerback. He's not bad. Not a bad corner. Solid, uh, a solid corner for that. Solid guy. He actually didn't expect to be on the Giants. So the Giants yeah, just well, threw the money at him. It was more out of a blue kind of thing. Like he was just like hanging out at home and he got a phone call. Right. The it's because like the Giants are a bad football The James, the Giants are a bad football team. Yeah. He's on the Giants because they threw money at him. That's yeah. exactly why. I That's mean, exactly I, why. Personally, I think they've thrown too much money at a few players, but. Um. <laughs> All right, so um, Blake Martinez, too, at linebacker. I, I don't think this defense is going to break out, Kyle. I I, th- I think it'll be improved because they hit rock bottom last year. You can't get worse than that. They will be improved, uh, even if they don't get their pass rusher in round one. But uh, they got better at the linebacker position, which is key. And they'll have Ryan Connolly coming back, who, in my opinion – has the chance he, he really has the chance to be the best player on the defense this year. He's very um, underrated. He had two what was it? He did he play week three against Tampa and then he tore his ACL? He uh it was week four. And he had three really, really good games and he tore his ACL as a linebacker where you gotta be running all over the field. You gotta see what this guy's capable now after tearing his ACL. That's huge. I wouldn't put all my eggs into that basket, but and I think that's why the Giants have invested in uh two other linebackers in Ackerland. 
uh, even though Fackrell could be considered an edge rusher. Martinez. Blake Martinez and Mayo is back. Is because they might be worried about that case scenario. Right. And then on top of the fact, they might even draft Isaiah Simmons. Right. Interesting point. All right. So let's move on to the Jets uh, for these next 10 minutes. Uh, Free agency has officially began over a little two weeks now. How would you grade the Jets so far? They signed five offensive linemen, one that they re-signed, right? Uh, some of the names are Shamanad graduate, Greg Van Roten, former Carolina Panther, uh, Connor McGovern from Denver, which I think was a good signing, uh, George Fant at right tackle, which I'm not a fan of. They bring Alex Lewis back to play left guard, uh, and then they signed one other guy. Uh, I want to say, Perryman. yeah, Rashad Perriman so, at wide receiver. Uh, Ravens bust. That name that name haunts me forever. That's a, <laughs> that name will forever haunt me. Could have been. What could have been with him? What's our grade on the Jets? I give them a C. A C. Because even though they improved the offensive line, I think the best offensive lineman out of that was Connor McGovern. I was actually hoping the Giants would get him. And knowing that he got the same kind of deal that Martinez got him. Actually, that the, the Giants didn't go in on him because the Giants, if anything, I think that's a solidified that offensive line really badly. Right. And the run in the back again. Uh, but Uh, again, losing, I think, where the grade goes so low for me is the fact. And I think actually that the previous 20 outfits, with all money that for some reason the side up and back best receiver they've had with the last three years. And Alex Sandor injured his neck two times in the past. Uh, Le'Veon Bell could be pass catching running back. Freeman cannot be your number one receiver, which would mean to me that at that number 11 spot, they would have to go in the receiver direction. But there's been word that they're going to potentially draft an offensive lineman. Yeah. So I don't I don't really uh, – that's my greatest see for the Jets. Uh, I don't like the George Fant signing at all. Three years, $28 million, That's not okay. It was the same deal they gave to Connor McGovern. McGovern mm-hmm. deserved it. Fant did not. Uh, he's an awful football player at this level. Yeah. Uh, Greg Van Roten, they brought him in because he's familiar with the area. I don't think he's great either. He could fill in a void. He'll be serviceable. But the Jets have a lot of problems, guys. They have to fix their whole team. They are not contenders to win the AFC East. In fact, they'll probably be, at best, third place. I agree. Um, at I, mean, best. I agree with Russo. Uh, I would give it a yeah. C. I mean, they're not offensive lining. McGovern signing solid. The fan, Van Roten, are eh. Rashad Perriman, I mean, they had all this money, right? Didn't they have all this money heading into free agency? They yeah, still because, have a decent amount left, I think. Yeah, and then that your number one, I mean, because I think letting go Robbie Anderson was, was a mistake. I think he was very good, and he wanted to be in New York, and he was like, obviously, maybe not your number one, but he was a good speed threat, number two receiver. But now you're going to replace him with Rashad Perryman, and that to be, you know, as it's coming from a Ravens fan, he did absolutely nothing for them, got hurt too much. Uh, I mean, whilst they let go of uh, Tremaine Johnson, I believe, the cornerback. I mean, yeah, that, contract, that contract. John, they released uh, Dow Roberts, the two starting corners. So yeah. now, 
they need help all over. I mean, in my mock, I haven't taken a Jedrick Willis from Alabama offensive tackle, but at this point, after seeing this, I might switch it to a receiver at this point because they need they need star power. Yeah, you want to protect Sam Donald, but you already put enough money in this offensive lineman. Maybe just use that draft pick and getting a Jerry Judy or somebody. Or uh, Lamb. They still need a pass rusher as well, I believe. Uh, their defense is all right. They signed back James Burgess, who Jenkins. had seven back last season. Jordan Jenkins, who had like eight, I believe. Neville Hewitt. Neville Hewitt as well. They're fine on the pass rush. I think it's more of the offense they need help in, I think. Yeah, they just don't have stars. I mean, their their number one offensive target now would be Ryan Griffin, their tight end. But let me piggyback to James's point. Wouldn't you guys agree that the Jets are one of the few teams that would have money to sign Jadavion Clowney at 17, yeah. 18 a million? I'm not saying he's going to go there because I don't think he is. But if the Jets want to turn their free agency around and try to, you know, make themselves at least more respected in that AFC East division heading into next season, it would be done by signing Clowney. It would. They would have to to overpay. And Uh, you have an excellent defensive coordinator in Greg Williams. You would just, I I don't, you would have to overpay, just not be worth it. Especially with the amount of money that they allocated to the defense. They signed C.J. Mosley to like an $18 million a year contract. He's worth it, but he got injured. And then Tremaine Johnson, all that dead money on the, on the books is, is really killing them. And you guys talked about Robbie Anderson. Kyle, didn't Robbie Anderson play under Matt Rule in college? Yeah, he played for Matt. So uh, Robbie Anderson entered the NFL in 2016, I believe, from yeah. Temple. And Matt Rule was the coach at Temple from 2013 to 2016. Right. So Robbie Anderson played under Matt Rule. So that could have been why. But uh, I actually conducted an interview this week with Rich Semini. He uh, works for ESPN and NFL Nation. He's a Jets uh, reporter as well. And he said that it, what it came down to the Robbie Anderson deal was that the reason why was it was just all came down to money. And we, we see that because there was rumors that the Jets didn't want to give him 12, 13, which is understandable because, like Fon said, he's a second he's a second receiver. He's not your number one. Yeah. But the Jets number one for a long time. But for them to not give him $10 million means that they didn't even want to give him $10 million. And that's why he took the money in Carolina. It just – so happened to be coincidentally that Matt Rule was in Carolina as the head coach. They really didn't have to do with that coach connection, um, according to Rich Semini. He said it just strictly basically had to do with giving more money, and that's why he went to Carolina. Right. I would agree with that. Um, Rich Semini, wow, that's some good stuff, Kyle. Kudos to you for interviewing him. He's been around for a while. It was a great interview. Um, oh, I bet. Um did he happen to say anything about Adam Gase? Because that's our next topic here on the show. So what he said with Adam Gase is that, you know, they lost the locker room last season at some points because of how bad the start was. But uh, he alluded to the fact that a team that loses, a coach that loses the locker room doesn't go 6-2 and two the second half of the season. They were able to regain themselves back as a team as a whole he said they do have some, I guess you would say, outspoken players on some sides of the ball that, you know, want the most attention. That's where it comes down to. But with Gase, he's looking forward to running it back a second time uh, and seeing what Gase is capable in his second year. Because it seems that everybody is behind him. I mean, otherwise he wouldn't be the coach. I get it. They may not want to fire Gase in his first year because then they would have to pay, I believe, 
three coaches next year on the books uh, as their salary. But if they if he wasn't liked, if this was true that all these rumors came out, he would not be the guy to coach this team, and especially as young as this as young as this team is, or at least as young as they're going to be, because of their offensive line, their quarterback, especially who hasn't really had that season that really. I mean, and you guys could say if I'm wrong or not, I don't think, let alone a season, and I get it, Sam Darnold had mono last year. I don't think Sam Darnold has really had a game where you could say to yourself, wow, that's going to be my guy. I think that a lot of football fans and a lot of Jet fans are riding on the fact that Sam Darnold is 22 years old, and a lot of people forget that when they judge him, but let alone the number one overall pick in this year's draft is going to be Joe Burrow. He's 24. So there's got to be some time, you know, to wait with these guys to develop and, and Sam Donald just might be one of those guys that takes a little longer. But I, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I don't want to, I don't want to cut you. No, go, go, no, go. You're saying that I think a lot of times usually you would, I would say give players at least three years to fully know like what they're capable of. And I yeah. think what this is Donald's now third year. So now this is the year where we're going to see that, Hey, can he be a franchise starter or is he just going to be like a serviceable guy here and there and then jumps around from team to team. So yeah. I mean, you're saying he's young, and I agree. I, I think it's a three-year period with a lot of players, really. Any sport, really. Give it a three-year period after they're drafted, then you know, all right, this is what most likely their career is going to be in case something, and then something happens, you know? Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, Sam Darnold, though, year number three, we need to start seeing strides in a more elite direction for him. Otherwise, the Jets are not going to be relevant. The Jets are not going to be relevant. Uh, we, we still don't know if Sam Darnold is their franchise quarterback, in my opinion. Um, he hasn't given us any evidence to prove that he's not. He hasn't given us any evidence either to prove that he's going to be there for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this guy has a lot on his shoulders, but here's the problem. You're not going to know until you get, I mean, Giant fans complain all they want about their coaching staff, but the Jets have it worse. They really do. They don't have an intelligent front office that can bring in the essential pieces for them to be successful. You look at what they've surrounded the Jets with these last couple drafts, nothing. Nothing. I mean, you gave Darnold an offensive line that's mediocre. That's the best that they can do with all that money that they had because they couldn't get anybody good because nobody wants to come to the Jets. That's the reality of the situation. Who was the best draft pick in the the past couple years? I couldn't even tell you. Not named Jamal Adams, who has been the Jets' best like, draft pick in recent years. I guess Darnold. I guess. Yeah, you could have said Leonard Williams until, you know, for the first, like, season or two. You know, but I'm saying, yeah, yeah like, Jamal Adams is your only. And he, you know, if things don't go well there, he might be on the outs, too. And that's so, the guy you want to keep around to be a leader on the defense. Gase is one of the guys I think that will be fired uh, at the end of next season. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't fire a guy after one year unless he's absolutely atrocious. He was not atrocious. The Jets went 7-9. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were issues that he had, but he was not bad enough to the point where he deserved to get fired. Uh, I think that would be very unfair to judge after one year. I think the problem is now the Jets have not just the Patriots, but the Bills, and now the Dolphins got better as well. I think if, if the Dolphins get you know, a quarterback, I mean, even with Fitzpatrick, they can still leapfrog the Jets. The problem is, you know, uh, the Jets are now in a much improved AFC East, and they're still the same old Jets. Uh, maybe New England took a step back, but that's not going to affect the Jets, really, in my opinion. Uh, they, 
the, you also have to look at the fact that they're still, I believe they're still paying a head coach that isn't even on their staff. Todd Bowles, baby. So, <laughs> for, for them to sign an actual good offensive player, offensive lineman, or whatever, they need to stop paying coaches that aren't even on their staff anymore. Right. That's why, they, that's why when the Jadavian Clowney question comes around, I think that they're just, it's even if they had $40 million in extra cap, I just don't think they'd be jumping in because they can't get involved with dumb contracts anymore. So, yeah. And also, the Jets have issues on the defense now, too. Quinn and Williams obviously got arrested at LaGuardia last month. Uh, not good. Charged criminal possession of a weapon. Uh, yeah, he wasn't great this first year. A lot of people thought the Jets had the best pick in the first round. Yeah. I, I, I I never bought that. Um, is it time to be legitimately concerned about him being a bust? I mean, it's a problem that the problem is that he's very young. Yeah, I would wait. I would do like I said, two three years, then you'll find out. I don't. I wouldn't say bust right away. It's, it's a, I would give it another year. See see how it plays out. If he improves a little bit or improves greatly, then we'll then we'll kind of know. I agree. Um, so let's talk about um, J- Jadavion Clowney. We'll move on from the Jets. Uh, obviously, he lowered his asking price. Where do you guys think he lands? I think that he's going to land right back in Seattle on a one-year deal. I think that's what he's going to do. I think that he's going to want to retest the market again so you get something long-term. Because, again, this is... Not what I think a lot of free agents were expecting. You would think a guy like Jadavian Clowney, even though he's been injured throughout his career, he didn't have the most spectacular season for a guy to go into free agency and a lot of teams to be listening to a guy that's talking about $20-plus plus million a year means that it might have happened. Even the guy in Marcus Holden, the guy that got 10 sacks last season, for some reason is still not signed to an NFL contract. It's insane because of the money just not being there. I think that he's going to sign a one-year kind of, I guess you'd say, prove-it deal in Seattle where he's been there for at least a year. He's been under that situation. He has the opportunity to compete. And then next year he'll be a free agent again where the money might be there for other teams that are interested. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I do think that a possibility is Seattle. The Cowboys have been rumored as a possibility, but they signed Alden Smith this week who – which is shocking because we haven't heard that name since 2015. I thought he was out of the NFL completely. I didn't well, know he here, here, so here's much. the problem. He still needs to be reinstated. He hasn't been reinstated. Yeah. Uh, he has not played a game since 2015. It's been five years, and he signs a one-year $4 million deal with Dallas. Uh, Jerry Jones must know something that we don't. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. He was, you know, he knows something, but it's probably not. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. When he, he was did drafted, he did have a break already too. He turned to a one-year deal. Yeah. Look what happened. It's yeah. yeah. When, he was, when he was drafted, he was he was that next defensive player, and you saw it in his first two seasons. I think he accumulated thirty-three sacks in the course of two. Alden Smith was. I remember when he, he went against the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm like, this guy's going to cause problems for that yeah. offensive line. Yeah. I agree. He was good. Can't hurt. Another team that I think that might be interested in Jadavian Clowney, which scares me to say, but it might very well end up happening, um, is the Eagles. They still have $30 million left in cap space. And they've been interested in a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, but the Jaguars' asking price might be too much. So why not go for a guy who is more affordable, 
probably than Ngakwe will be. Right. On top of the fact that you won't have to give up anything. And they need yeah. defense, too. They need defense. Yeah. They need so defense and Hadley. That's only going to help. Uh, one, one last thing I want to talk about with NFL free agency. The Saints deal with Eli Apple fell through. Um, the do, Raiders deal. Uh, I'm sorry, the Raiders. Yeah. Yes, former Saint Eli Apple. The deal fell through with the Raiders. Um, are the Raiders a legitimate threat to the Chiefs in, in the AFC West? Are they a legitimate threat to make the playoffs this year with this move to Las Vegas? If they... If they get themselves a receiver, if they if, if a, if a C.D. Lamb or a Jerry Judy falls to them, I think that they could win around nine games. But Derek Carr has to be that Derek Carr back from 2016, though. He's just yeah. not been the same guy. But you saw what John Gruden was able to do with their roster last season. It was pretty. It was pretty impressive. You know, for a long stretch of time, he was making a quiet argument. You know, potentially being in that coach of the year candidacy. And granted. Well, we talk about what he didn't have. Imagine, take away all the uh, stuff that happened with Antonio Brown. Imagine if Antonio Brown was on that roster. What would have the Raiders been able to accomplish? Not a lot. It would have been very good. They would have been, been a very good team. They get that stud receiver. I think they're. I think they're in a good position to succeed. I agree. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Um, the Mariota signing, you know, makes you think there could be a little quarterback controversy, or if... I think it's the push car. Push to push car to, to yeah. yeah, but for three years, twenty one million. I mean, you're paying a backup seven mil a year. That that's a little that's that's a little eye popping, isn't that it, Kyle Russo? Car. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. Car gets like the first four or five games, and if he's not, not producing where they think they should, it could be the tight situation over again, like with Tannehill yeah. taking over. I agree. It's now. So very well happen. Or just like Tennessee. Yeah, that, that that's, an, that's an interesting point. It, it could be. I mean, you know, guy, guys from Tennessee, they're always in the mix funds. They're always yep. making noise, doing loud, dumb things. But then, you know, then they make it to the AFC Championship game with 12 fans and <laughs> one, one, one of the final four teams. They were, they, were, they were one of the final four. They were in the mix all pretty far so you know yeah and you know it's pretty much that um tennessee is the state funds despises james you have west yeah. virginia kyle doesn't yeah. like new new jersey now we just need one for me um so uh yeah i mean i'm not i'm not the biggest philadelphia guy i don't i don't like texas either but i mean hey uh all right so guys what we're gonna do is we're gonna shift gears we're gonna save our um free agency rankings for the end of the show we're gonna we're gonna shift gears right now to college basketball um so the ncaa has decided not to grant athletes from winter sports including basketball an extra year of eligibility due to the coronavirus pandemic uh is this fair i say yes it is fair uh yes I, i i agree um my thing i was talking about this too actually on uh for jdf a couple days ago uh, it makes sense for the to, for spring because they their season didn't start yet. Right. So it makes sense for them to get another chance. The winter athletes, while it sucks that they can't participate in March Madness, they played from November to basically the beginning of March. Their regular season was done. They were it was conference championship week, right? When kind of when everything kind of shut down. So it was, uh, yeah. it was basically like the postseason. So yes, it sucks that the seniors can't play, but guys like Cassius Winston, whatever, were able to play. 
his final season, regular season. I agree. And so I think at that point, it's like, all right, what's, we can't really bring him back and play another full season. Right, it just doesn't make sense, and it's unfair to the freshmen that are coming in. And look and at it this it, way. If this was in the middle of the season, I would make the argument that, yes, they should get another year at least, but they already completed the whole regular season. So, you know, it just sucks that they can't do the tournament. And I, I, Go ahead. I look at it this way by still working on a college campus that when everything kind of got shut down in a way, everybody was like, this was my senior year. This was a make it all for me. This, you know, like they're all upset. I get that factor, but at the same time, if their season's over, their season's mm-hmm. over, you know, no matter if you were even going to uh, the Big East, the, um, you know, to uh, March Madness, you're done. Technically, your season is done. I agree. And the thing is, too, some teams were already eliminated from their conference tournaments. So technically, their season was over. It's unfortunate, but these things happen a lot. All right, guys. So we have a caller on the line. Uh, Caller, please state your name and where you are from. John Goodnell, Chappaqua, New York. How's it going, John? How are you? Good, Tom. How are you? Good. So, um, what is your first question for us here tonight on the show? So, my first question is in regards to uh, Rick Pitino and the possibility that uh, him and Calipari are trying to schedule a game to MSG next year. Uh, what do you think about that matchup? So, John Goodnow is an Iona Gales fan, guys, and his first question is, what do we think about a potential John Calipari, uh, Rick Pitino matchup at the Garden next year? Kentucky against a mid-major school at the Garden. What do we think about I'm that? I'm blocking Guys, I, w- I personally, I I would like it. I mean, why not? I mean, it'd be a good way to kind of kick off back with college basketball, right? Get Patino yeah. and Calipari back at MSG, world's most famous arena. I'd, I'd be cool to bring back, you know, what is it? Patino's come back, well, how many years since he's been gone? Uh, he, um, he left Louisville. Five. You're right, yeah. John just said five. Five, yeah, so hey. Actually, three. 2017. Three. Mm, wow, nice. So, yeah, perfect. Uh, so, what is your next question for us? My next question is in regards to them actually getting Rick Pitino. Do you think it had to do with the fact that they got a new Heinz Center or the, uh, you know Tim Cruz's legacy? Or what factors do you think helped them to get him in the first place? My thing is, obviously, geographics play a factor. I know, I believe his son lives in Harrison, New York, which is not far from New Rochelle and his New York City roots, obviously. However... Iona's been very successful in the MAC, And I think Rick Pitino, obviously he's landed six recruits in less than a week. So he has the potential to elevate them to a powerhouse mid-major school, in my opinion. Uh, Kyle, what's your thought process on that? Why did Rick Pitino choose Iona? Why did he choose Iona? I think it was... To be honest, I think it's his way back into college basketball. I mean, I don't think he – I'm not being – this is not me being mean or insulting Iona at all. This is the truth. This is his way back in. This guy basically got thrown out of college basketball. He had to build himself up. I believe he coached in Europe for a little bit. 
And now this is his way to build himself up, uh, bring back a program, make them uh, a solid basketball program that can compete, maybe even bring them to the conference tournament or win their conference tournament to begin with in the first place. I think that's the case scenario. And I think that's, I think that's his plan of action, to be honest. Yeah, I do think so. Um, and John, were you going to talk about some of these recruits with us who and who they got? Yes. Uh, so as you mentioned, Tom, they got six recruits in four days. They went on a huge recruiting spree. And although a lot of these guys were two-star recruits, they were guys that Patino sees as having lots of potential. And, you know, the star isn't as what it really seems to be. So just giving you one example, they got a seven foot one uh, center from Rwanda and he shoots 30% from three. He's, you know, a rim, uh, rim runner. He runs the floor well. He has a decent mid game. The only main thing um, issue is that He's not bulky. He's skinny. For seven foot one, he's like one hundred ninety five pounds. And that's always something you can work on. Obviously, uh, you know, hitting the weight room in terms of potential and everything, and the fact that you know he had offers coming from you know, like say Minnesota and Georgetown and places like that. It just shows you that you were. Uh, you know, top-level recruit. Um, in addition to him, uh, you know, really looking forward to, uh, you know, the three-point shooting from uh, Talek Chavez and Ryan Myers, shot over 40% in high school. Um, and Eric Dean Lewis is known for athleticism coming in. He uh, didn't shoot as well. Um, 30% from three last year. But just in general, Rick Pitino looks like as well as what I've heard, he's really trying to mimic uh, his playing style from Greece uh, in terms of just really running up and down full court uh, pressure on defense and constantly running the floor on offense. You know, Patino's really known for having uh, and getting really good three point shooters. So all these recruits that he's gotten so far basically mesh, uh, you know, what he's trying to accomplish in the next coming years. John, uh, to piggyback off your point, thanks for breaking that down for us. Osborne Shima, who you were just talking about, the 7-1 guy, yes. um, he played a year at Florida Gulf Coast. So yes. he yes. has he has three years of eligibility left, right? So Correct. I think having him will be great because I feel like they lacked size last year. And you know him playing, I believe he played at the New Mexico Military Institute as well. Um, right, so he, he is a little bit older, um, and I think he could really help this team out because now you got to worry about Siena, obviously, next year. But uh, I think he's a good addition. And then, you know, you talk about Talik Chavez and um, Benrick John Lewis. Uh, they're both junior college transfers. So these aren't just guys that he recruited as freshmen. These are guys with experience as well, which I think, at least in the MAC, this will very much benefit them. Correct. So there's three guys with experience, the Juco transfers, those other couple guys, uh, freshmen, as well as they possibly might get a couple of grad transfers. I'm hearing uh, Sid Wilson from Connecticut might come in. Uh, him and uh, Isaiah Washington, you know, were part of the Jelly fam. Uh, so that would be cool to see them come back together again. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. I, I, I think... Uh... 
the players came because they know Patino. And I'm pretty sure the only three-star guy they got was, uh, what was it, Ryan Myers? Or was that just one of them? Two stars, but in terms of last year, so before Patino, they have commitments from Darius and Robert Brown. And Robert Brown was uh, uh, transferred from New Mexico. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, right. You know, Nelly Jr. Joseph, I believe he was the last one they just got, right? Um, that is correct. Now, Fonz, I know I know you're a big basketball guy, and, you know, we have John here talking about Iona. Um, do you think – do you agree that Patino has the chance to do with Iona what Mark Few did with a team like Gonzaga in a, mid, in a mid-major conference? I definitely think so. I mean, with the, what Patino has done in, in the past, like taking uh, different programs and making them, you know, legit contenders. I mean, yeah, I could definitely see him taking a small school like Owen and then taking to levels of what Gonzaga has done. So, yeah, no, I definitely agree. I definitely can see that happening, too. Yeah. Uh, John, what else do you got for us here? So just on that point, um, I also see uh, potential for them to, you know, make a big run. Um, just looking at it in general, um, Gonzaga, the West, uh, the WCC conference, um, you know, it's not the best conference. It's a good conference. Uh, you know, St. Mary's, you have BYU, you have a couple of good teams, and the MAC is definitely a lesser conference. But, you know, if Iona could really – you know, potentially in a couple of years from now, move conferences, maybe to say for like the A-10, like Fordham is in right now or something, who they actually have a matchup with uh, against next year, um, as well as uh, scheduling-wise. They're supposed to play at Oklahoma State next year, um, Fordham, as I just mentioned, Harvard, Kentucky, as well as they're looking for more of a vigorous uh, out-of-conference schedule. You know, if they could get this, just a couple of good wins, you know, as well as in conference play, maybe they could even get to the point where they get at large bids and, you know, they could start making runs. I totally agree with you. And I think them and Siena, those are the two now in the MAC. Uh, you know, it's a shame because uh, obviously I know we were just talking about how the winter athletes lost their um, – they, they're not going to get an extra year of eligibility, which makes sense. I know for a guy – like you and Iona fan, it really doesn't mean much to you since Iona had already lost um, in their conference. But uh, what do you think about that, about the winter sports athletes? I think it's fair, but I know some people are taking the opposing view on that. I think it's fair because some teams are already out. I mean, I think it's fair. I mean, this all really, uh, you know, everything started shutting down probably three, four weeks ago. Um, so, you know, the year of eligibility seems fair. Maybe, um, I don't know what else the uh, NCAA uh, committee could do, but in terms of last year, you mentioned I was team last year that they were out. Yes, they lost to St. Peter's by a couple points in all three of their matchups coming to the end of the game. And last year wasn't their best. They under Tim Kloos was out with an illness. And he was out all year, undisclosed uh, reason. And that really hurt the team. The team didn't mesh as well. Um, You know, they had a lot of new guys come into the roster. And now, uh, you know, this year, they lost uh, Crawford as well as AG, their two leading players uh, who graduated. So, you know, I'm looking for a bigger rebound coming into, you know, next season with, uh, you know, Patino and the new faces. Now, John, do you have any final thoughts for us here? 
Uh, final thoughts? Um, not really any big final thoughts, but what do you think of, um, you know, I mentioned Isaiah Washington before, and, you know, he's definitely, you know, a high sought-out recruit, 3.7 stars, 630,000 Instagram followers, Ooh, the jelly really? shot and everything. What do you think, as it's going into his senior year, what do you think his expectations are trying to lead this younger team? So this is... Probably, I should have answered this earlier before. Um, before I get to that, John, I think Rick Pitino um, has a link because his son coaches the Minnesota team, which Isaiah Washington is a transfer from. He played two years at Minnesota. Correct. So he played for Pitino's son, and now he's going to play his last year with Rick Pitino. Uh, look, this guy... Um, Ranked 16th in the MAC in scoring last year. Uh, realistically, and I believe he averaged just shy of 12 points a game. I think around 11, 11 and a half. Um, I think he has a chance to be the face of the team. I mean, this is a guy who shot 40% from the floor, uh, 80% from the line, 33% from beyond the arc. Those numbers are only going to improve under Rick Pitino, a coach who, you know, he also strives in good defense as well. And I think he's going to bring good defense to the table. You'll see Washington improve in that department. Uh, you'll see these other guys like Chavez, Joseph, and Myers, and uh, Crawford, these guys coming in, John, that you talked about. I think they're all going to take the next step up. And, you know, Isaiah Washington, a guy who's small, 6'1", a buck 95, for him to be putting those numbers up last year is, is great. And now having Patino, it's only going to help him. And I think as far as the Mac is concerned, I think Iona has a very good shot to win it next year. I think them and Siena, rightfully so, should be the two favorites to win the MAC. Although Siena is losing some guys to graduation, so it's important to keep in mind. Elijah Burns and who else? Elijah Burns, and then I don't think Pickett's a senior, is he? No. Okay. Uh, they're losing a couple others, a couple of walk-ons. They're losing too. I don't know any of like the big name guys that they're losing, but I know Burns, the transfer from Notre Dame. He's there. Uh, really biggest casualty that they're losing uh, this summer. So, yeah. John, thanks a lot for calling in. We appreciate it. Had fun talking to you. Thank you, Tom. We'll look forward to having you back on again soon. Thank you very much. Will do. All right. That was John Goodnow from Chappaqua, New York. Uh, Shout out Hank and Dichter for joining our Google Hangouts. Hank, we appreciate you. Um, all right, guys, so let's get back to our last segment of the night. We're going to talk about um, – we're going to rank the top five NFL free agencies and the five worst NFL free agencies among the teams in the NFL. So I hope you – the four of you guys, I hope you have somewhat of a list, if not written down in your mind, on who you think the five best – nice. Fonz has the index card. Love to see it. Uh, so who wants to start? Do you want me to start with my best? I'll, yeah. do the, I'll do the best. I'll get the I'll get this started. Sure. Let me do it. Yeah. All right. So my best. Uh, I'll go. We'll go from five to one. Tom. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. We'll we'll do, do five to one. That's fine. All right. So five to one. Number five. I'm going to put the Miami Dolphins. Uh, crazy. I know. But let me tell you, they did a lot of good signings there. They got Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy, uh, Shaq Lawson, I believe, too, and solid guys to build around that defense. And then, of course, I do like that Jordan Howard signing a lot. Because you're, when you're leading rushers, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you're going to need a 
you're going to need to fix that running back situation a lot. And I think they're going to get a running back in the draft as well. So that'd be nice down there. Uh, Saints, I have a number four. I, I think they were already good to begin with, but they've been looking for the number two receiver for a while now. Uh, Ted Ginn was really never the answer. And they tried Traquan Smith and all that, but Emmanuel Sanders is a true number two alongside Michael Thomas. That's going to be really good. Number three, I put the Ravens on there. I do like what they did by trading away Hayden Hurst for a second-round pick and then getting Calais Campbell for literally a fifth-round pick. We've said it multiple times, so that's highway robbery. I'm going to say it again. Uh, number two, uh, I wasn't high on him at first, but then after looking at it, I kind of liked it. I put the Denver Broncos at number two. I do like the Jarrell Casey trade. Really nice. And getting A.J. Bouye for just a fourth-rounder, I believe it was. Right. Bouye is one of the more underrated corners, I think, because Jalen Ramsey was kind of the well, more well-known corner, but Bouye was just good in his own right. And then putting Melvin Gordon, who I thought at times was a little bit overrated, but putting him with Philip Lindsay, like he doesn't have to do all the work there, and having two Pro Bowl caliber running backs in the backfield will help out Drew Locke a lot. And number one, I put the Arizona Cardinals. When you trade away a, a broken-down running back in David Johnson – uh, for literally just for literally the best receiver in football, um, if you if you argue with Michael Thomas, or whatever, that's basically wins it in my opinion. You trade away a running back for just an extra receiver for Kyler Murray. I like that a lot. And I also they also did another underrated signing where they signed Jordan Phillips, I believe, from Buffalo to man the middle on the defensive line. So that's my top five: Dolphins, Saints, Ravens, Broncos, Cardinals. Nice. I like your list, Fonz. Um, so. Why don't we go through the best first, and then we'll go through the worst. So we'll go that's through the line. That's here. what I figured. I started yeah. with the best, and then we'll go back to it. So, uh, James, uh, you are next. Um, you can state your list. We're gonna we're gonna go five to one. Cool. Uh, mine's pretty similar as Fonz's, um, give or take. Um, you know, few seating. I'm going with the Saints to five. They did add that wide receiver help, um, which was Magnus good. Sanders, yeah. Um, the Jets and the Dolphins are kind of at four in a way. Jets with the offensive line help they needed. The Dolphins, um, they definitely improved. They did a new, uh, decent amount that I'm forgetting names and stuff. But it would be between the Jets and Dolphins. Pretty much my key lock would be the Jets. Uh, three was Broncos. Um, they did move on from Vaughn. From Von Miller, which right. might be helpful for them. And Joe Flacco as well, I believe. Yep. Um the Ravens fans had to give you some love over there. Um, they just made that team a lot better. Your team should be going a lot further. And then the Cardinals, they like Fonz was saying, they gave the help that, that was needed. So before we get to Kyle, I, I mean, I just want to say one thing. And you also picked the Cardinals as your top team. I agree with majority of your list, especially Arizona at number one. Um, I think you can pretty much make the argument that getting DeAndre Hopkins alone, alone, is pretty much the best move this entire free agency so far. It's even better than, uh, you know, it's better than Brady going to the Bucks. It's better than a bunch of these other moves because the Cardinals had a lot of holes on their offense, obviously with Larry Fitzgerald aging, and obviously they traded away David Johnson. But, I mean, to have DeAndre Hopkins is fantastic. Uh, it really helps out a young quarterback in Kyler Murray and a team that has a seasoned defense like them. Uh, they're looking to take that next step forward in a, in a very tough NFC West. Russo, you are next. So we're starting from five to one, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So at number five, my number five team is the Minnesota Vikings. They really didn't do that much in free agency outside of giving Kirk Cousins that extension. But the amount 
of draft capital that they got just for Stefan Diggs was absolutely insane. They got a first rounder, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and I believe a seventh for one receiver. And then you look at the Arizona Cardinals who couldn't even get a first round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. So I think right there, the Vikings did an excellent job in getting that much draft capital capital for one play. Uh, My next team that I would go to would be the L.A. Chargers. The L.A. Chargers got Paul Joseph, who was an excellent player with the Minnesota Vikings, Chris Harris Jr. They traded Russell Okun, who was a really old offensive tackle on a big contract, for Trey Turner, a younger offensive guard, (coughs) five times out of the last six years. That's that's my fourth team right there. Uh, The Denver Broncos are another team at number three for me. They did a lot of quiet moves. They created they created cap space by letting go of Joe Flacco. They got AJ Bouye. They got Darrell Casey. I and I'm a big fan of actually the Melvin Gordon signing on a cheap contract that duo tandem. However, they choose to uh, give more carries to. I actually like the Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon um, combo acquisition. Yeah. My number two team, the the Arizona Cardinals, just getting DeAndre Hopkins, excellent receiver. It's going to speed up Kyler Murray's progression so much. You're going to see them competing in that NFC West really, 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 really soon with teams of the likes of the 49ers, the Rams, and the Seahawks, and the NFC in whole. And then my number one team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got the greatest football player ever. They got the most accomplished football player ever. And now he has weapons to work with with Cameron Braid, O.J. Howard, Mike Evans. Uh, Ronald Jones Jr., Chris Godwin, the list goes on and on, and the defense is not bad either. On top of the fact that they were able to get back Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, that's a great free agency. 100% agree with you, Kyle. Uh, One thing the three of you guys had in common so far, you've all had the Arizona Cardinals. I think Tampa Bay, too, it goes very underrated. It's not just Brady. It's also getting Shaq Barrett and JPP back, re-signing those guys to extensions. You need those guys that will help Tampa Bay's defense. And you have a good linebacking core with guys like, you know, Vontae David. Uh, this is just one of many um, Devin White teams. Too. Yeah, him too. De- Devin White. I think he went to Michigan, right? Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, no, LSU. L- LSU. Devin Bush went to, Devin Bush went to uh, Michigan. That's who I was thinking of. Um, yeah, so I think that's a good list, um, Kyle. Mine... Um, Similar teams, well, some of them. Five, I'm going to go with the Saints. Emmanuel Sanders, bringing Breeze back. Um, obviously moving on from Bridgewater, but I think the Saints, they helped their cause this offseason. They didn't do much, but they did the right things. Uh, number four for me is the Miami Dolphins. Um, they improved a lot. Uh, I didn't like the Eric Flowers signing. Otherwise, I thought they would have been higher. They still have a quarterback issue. I mean, Fitzpatrick is serviceable, but how long can you do that? Because Fitzpatrick's days as an NFL quarterback are numbered, (laughs) obviously. Um, But I I really like what the Dolphins did in a season. They they were clearly tanking. They traded away Minka to the Steelers. Um, They have a good young core. And uh, Vince Beagle, one of the linebackers that they got. Um, And I thought they just... Pull the right plugs. Uh, number three for me um, is Tampa Bay with Brady, and pretty much for the reasons Kyle just explained. Number two, 
this is for me, it's actually going to be Buffalo. And hear me out. My reason why is they really improved their defense and they made a very good under the radar signing in AJ Klein, uh, linebacker from the New Orleans Saints, bringing him over, I think is an excellent move. And of course, getting Stefan Diggs, that wide receiver. Um, I think that getting Diggs gives them the receiver that they need to be viable. Yes, it was at the expense of a couple of draft picks, but um, I really like what Buffalo was able to do this offseason. Number one for me, though, is the Arizona Cardinals. Again, DeAndre Hopkins is a fantastic player, and I think adding him to the fray is going to make the Cardinals a very good competitor in the NFC West, where I'm going to be honest, uh, I think the Cardinals could fill in the void that the Rams were last year. I think they have the potential to have a very similar record to the Rams. The only question for them is their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Is he a Kyler Murray offensive guy or is he an actual NFL head coach? Last year, I'm not sure we saw that. So those are mine. What do you guys think now that we all have our top five rankings? You know, I like pretty much that three out of the four of us had the same one and Kyle having them as two. Uh, I see the argument I'm, for Brady. I agree with that too. I like that Bills one too. I mean, I, that the, the Bills is a very is a solid one there also. Um, what was the? Uh, I forgot the order. Uh, Dolphin. I mean, we all kind of pretty much had the Dolphins in the same spot. Like good signings, you know, in the bottom like top five. You know, um, the Brady one with the Buccaneers. I was gonna put that on there. That's just an honorable mention, I guess. We're doing the top fives. If we're doing like just outside of it, right? Um, I still think they need kind of help on the. Finally, helping on the offensive line and getting another running back. I thought maybe getting Todd Gurley would have helped them out at least for now. But yeah, overall, I agree. Pretty much, we all have the same team, so in, in the same spots for the most part. Yeah. All right. So, do you guys have any thoughts? I mean, I like as somebody had the Broncos. I think Fonz, you had the Broncos on your list. Yeah, and so did Russo. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. I think having Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay is scary. It yeah, really it's is good. I don't like Melvin Gordon by himself, but when he's paired with someone else, a cable running back like Philip Lindsay, that's 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 unstoppable. And then, of course, you got to talk about the uh, third-year receiver now in Cortland Sutton. Yeah, yeah, fantastic yeah. young talent. And then Noah Fan at tight end. If they can draft another receiver, I haven't taken actually Henry Ruggs in my mock draft. That could be yes. a scary offense. We're definitely going to do a little more mock draft talk when we get closer. Love um, mock drafts. This, I can't wait for this, that. This month, we may actually do one next week. Um, we will keep you guys updated on our social media about that. So let's get to our five worst. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want me to start back uh, like uh, the same rotation? Yeah, I'll go last again because I was the loser, week 15 loser. So, All right. Uh, so my number five, I'm putting the Patriots on there mainly because, you know, you lose a guy like Brady and then you lose, you know, the likes of uh, Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy on the defense that was already good uh, to begin with. Uh, that hurt trading weight to Ron Harmon. So, yeah, they're number five right there, and they didn't really address – I mean, they're going to rely on Jared Sim and Brian Hoyer to be your quarterback unless they draft someone. Um, we'll see what happens with that. My number four is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I do – Tom, you said the Joe Schobert signing you like a lot. I do agree. But outside of that, I mean, they brought in Tyler Eifert, who is injury-prone, and then you lose A.J. Bouye, Campbell, Marcel Darius. Remember, two years ago, they were the focal point or some of the focal points on that defense. And then, of course, trading away Nick Foles for, what was it, just a fourth-round pick after he was your big free agent signing last year. So a turnaround, I mean, for, that's just a big turnaround on 180. 
My number three is the L.A. Rams uh, for letting go. I mean, Todd Gurley, and then I'm trying to think who else they uh, off the top of my head. They signed Leonard Floyd, Sean Robinson. That's fine. Don, they let go of Dante Fowler, who's having a good year. Uh, Corey Littleton, Pro Bowl linebacker, who's good for them, Clay Matthews. Yeah, and that Gurley one hurts a lot. They're signing him to a big year. It just kind of just shows that maybe sometimes signing the running backs to big-term contracts, that could hurt them a little bit. My number two is actually the Chicago Bears, the ones that were involved in the Nick Foles trade, because I just said that they didn't really do anything else. I didn't like that Jimmy Graham signing. They gave $8 million. That was way too much, I think, for a tight end. And they already spent big on a tight end last year. Didn't they, didn't they sign Trey Burton a few yep. years ago yep. as your big tight end? And now you're going to do that again two times around. And then when they let go of uh, ha, Clinton Dixon, they should have kept around. And I have this name here. I try to double-check it. Nick Kiewitowski, I think it was. Nick was a pretty solid linebacker for them. Uh, Leonard Floyd was struggling a little bit for them, so it makes sense to let him go. But Robert Quinn signing, it was okay, but he's still a little bit up there in age. And my number one team, I think, will be on this list a lot. The Houston Texans. Again, you're replacing DeAndre Hopkins, the best receiver in the league, with Randall Cobb. And you get down David Johnson, who is a one-year wonder. That's my number one there. So that's my five. Patriots, Jaguars, Rams, Bears, Texans. I completely agree. Patriots, Jaguars, Rams, Bears, Texans. Got it. Um, Look at that. James, you're next. All right. So I'm going to go with the Patriots. Like um, what fun said earlier. Um, but – they're the worst, but I still think Belichick is still able to do something with whatever quarterback right. he gets or uses. I'm going with Jags as four. Um, then Atlanta, I'm threw into the mix at three because they signed Ty Gurley. Um, you know, kind of he's going back to I think he played college in Atlanta, but they're going back to their which is like, all right, but we all know his knee arthritis injuries. Um, I am in between Texans and Raiders between one and two. Um, Texans because they got rid of probably their best wide receiver they have ever had. Um, and then Raiders, just because they signed, they, they don't have faith in their quarterback. So I'm a little concerned there. Ooh, interesting. We'll talk about that when we get to the end of the list. I think we might have a couple of differing views, but uh, go on, James. That was it. That was it? So you're putting the Texans as your top worst, right? Yeah. Okay. And and the Raiders are your second worst? Yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, Keep that in mind. Kyle. All right. (laughs) All right. So we're going to start off hot. A fifth worst free agency. It's going to go to the Giants. It's going to go to the Giants. <laughs> and again, all the money that they spent, uh, excluding the draft, all the money that they spent, I don't think that they improved themselves by even a matter of two games. No, I really don't. Because every signing that they made, you can't assure them, outside of the James Bradbury, James Bradbury, I love for one reason. He was in a division in which he played against the best receivers in football since he entered the league. Against Mike Evans, against Chris Godwin, against Michael Thomas. This guy has been playing against those guys who are the top guys in the league. And if he could guard those guys in coverage, then he'd go up against anybody. But the Kyla Fack acquisition, uh, money, I don't think, well spent. 
Blake Martinez, I like the contract, but he has his negatives. He can't guard in coverage. Is he going to be able to? Yes, a tackling machine, no doubt, but he can't pass cover. I don't like the addition of Cam Fleming. You can make the argument that he might be worse than Mike Remmers. And on top of it all, the one guy that we would have assured ourselves as football fans, let alone Giant fans, is that you bring back the guy who gets 10 sacks for you, and they don't do that. So that's my fifth worst team. Fourth worst team is the Chicago Bears. I hate the Jimmy Graham acquisition. Makes no sense whatsoever. Make absolutely no sense. Robert Quinn, $70 million over the course of five years. Again, this free agency was different from a lot of them. No team was giving out big contracts whatsoever, meaning extent and long term. Chicago Bears were one of them. That's a massive contract for a guy who just had basically his breakout season. On top of the fact that defense is, was never the Chicago Bears' problem. Defense is the one thing that they get to assure themselves on. The defensive line was very good. Yeah, not good. The Jets. Again, the one solid thing in which they had, they let walk out the door in Robbie Anderson. You improve the offensive line, but I think yeah. there's negativity with almost every single offensive lineman in which they signed outside of Connor McGovern. So like I said before, you gave Sam Darnold more time to throw the ball to nobody. That's really the situation that they're at right now. My second team, a little surpriser, San Francisco. San Francisco just came off appearing in the Super Bowl. They lost. They lost Emmanuel Sanders, which I think is huge, because now Jimmy Graham. Now you're going to have to have Debo Samuel step out, step up major, because I think that they learned last season that George Kittle cannot be the number one guy, even though Debo Samuel was the num- uh really the target last year. He really didn't step up that much. He's going to have to take a big step. I think being forced to trade a guy in DeForest Buckner to the Colts is huge. A guy that provided seven and a half sacks. He's been an excellent defender since he's been with the 49ers when he was drafted a couple years back. They were forced to trade him because they had to bring back Tariq Armstead, which is another massive contract of five years, $85 million. And I think that's going to hurt their team a lot. And then number one is obvious, guys, is the Houston Texans. You, there's, you, there, there's no words to explain no matter what personal uh, detrimental act, activities were going on that Bill, uh, Bill O'Brien was not in favor of DeAndre Hopkins. There is no excuse. Even if you want to trade that guy, you better get compensation back. And they got absolutely nothing. And that's my number one team. Yeah, all makes sense. Um Houston at number one is pretty much going to be the same thing for everybody. I'm a little surprised with you putting Frisco at uh, number two, but we'll talk. I can see the argument a little bit too high, but I can see the argument of them being in like the top five for right because they they lost Buckner, they lost Sanders, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So here's my five. My fifth is the Minnesota Vikings. This might be a little surprising, but here's why: Uh, you were unable to retain Xavier Rhodes. Uh, Trey Waynes is gone too. They were able to tag Harris and, you know, they still have Smith. Griffin's probably not coming back. Linval Joseph is gone. Uh, they pretty much lost a lot of the core pieces on their defense that got them, that got them into the divisional round last year, uh, at the expense of this atrocious contract to Kirk Cousins. It's not that he's bad. He's playing fine. It's that it's so much money. Yeah. He's a little overpaid, not a little, a lot, but that's what happens. You have to worry about Cook. Diggs is gone. The Vikings lost a lot of pieces from last year. 
The one thing that saved them was that Diggs trade, because obviously he wanted to leave, and the Vikings got draft picks in return where they can come out from the bottom. The only good guy that they got was Fonz's guy from the Ravens, um, right? Michael Pierce. Michael, Michael Pierce. Pierce, yeah. Yeah, I like him a lot, too. He's going to be very good for them in Minnesota. They're my number five. My number four is the Rams, obviously losing Todd Gurley, uh, Robert Quinn. I mean, the guys on their defense, too. Uh, Clay Matthews is gone. I really don't like where they're headed right now. They're in a very awkward spot with this Jared Goff deal. Um, and Sean McVay still, uh, you know, a good young head coach, but is he as good as he was made out to be a year or two ago? And they didn't show that in free agency. Number three is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they did not address much. Yeah, they got Slay. I mean, but what do they do in free agency? We're not just talking trades here. Um, they really did not impress me at all. They still have holes on their defense. Uh, they don't really have any great wide receivers which is still a problem. Zach Ertz can't be your number one guy again next year. He's at a point in his career where he is in his prime, yes. But I don't think he can be your number one option. You need at least a wide receiver uh, that's going to give you six to seven catches a game on average in this league to be a successful uh, football team, in my opinion. Number two is the Redskins. They did nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, they're I going. Think of that. I didn't even think of them. In my, in my opinion, they're going to be a bottom five team in the league again this year. They're going to finish last in the NFC East. I, I see them screwing up the draft as usual. They have a million quarterbacks on their roster, even after getting rid of uh, Case Keenum. I, I just don't see the Redskins being good, and the free agency did not help them. My number one is Houston. Uh, of course, for the reasons that everyone explained. So now let's collaborate. Um, what do you guys think? Do you have a problem with uh, anybody's list in this top five worst? It pretty much for me, it's, it's, I mean, I can see Russo's point with the 49ers. I don't know if I put him at number two. If you said like number five or just outside of the five, I would say yes, because I mean, losing Sanders, I mean, they, Debo Samuel and, and whatnot are good receivers, but it's nice to have another veteran receiver there. And, of course, uh, DeForest Buckner trading one of your better defensive linemen, but the best defensive world outside of Nick Bosa. I mean, yeah, I would agree, but I don't. I think two is a little bit too high. Uh, that's what I'm thinking right now. But every, everyone else is, is pretty much uh, what I agree with. Yeah. Um, I'm going to disagree with James's pick with Vegas at two. Um, I understand the Eli Apple deal fell through, but the Raiders got Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski. In my opinion, those were the best two interior linebackers on the market, and they got both of them. They got both of them on their roster. They also got Carl Nassib from the Browns, who was a decent player, and they also got Jeff Heath from the Cowboys that addressed the safety need because Carl Joseph is not coming back, right? So this is where I think earlier we were talking about the Raiders – possibly being a team that can win nine games next season if all goes well. But, um, James, were you getting more at, like, their quarterback issue? Or what was uh, – it was why did more you have of a quarterback issue. You know, like I, we, like we were talking earlier, yeah, the competition is going to be good uh, between the two quarterbacks. But yeah. I think having a guy that you signed for three years as a backup, you know – it. I think there might be a quarterback issue there. 
at some point during okay. the season. Right. That, that's where my main focus was at. And I think giving $7 million a year to Mario is a problem, but they also got Malik Collins, who's, yeah. who's fantastic. So, I mean, it balances out in, in a way, um, but I was more looking at that quarterback as the uh, the bigger problem. Right. And I think the Eli Apple deal falling through hurts them a little bit. And then um, yeah. uh, they signed Nelson Aguilar, who can't catch. <laughs> well, yeah, and it doesn't help who you have behind quarterback if you can't catch. Fun fact. <laughs> I, I liked Fonz's list a lot. I thought it was really good. Um, I, I agree with the Rams being in there. I think the Rams might be in the doghouse of the NFC West next year. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't see DeAndre Hopkins finishing in last place, to be honest with you. And it's not that the Rams are bad. It's just a very tough division. Imagine this, with the new playoff format, with all four teams in a division potentially making the playoffs. That would be crazy. That would be, that would be, that would be, uh, that'd be a lot of fun to see. Too. And if, it's one, if there's one division it could happen to, it is the NFC West. Because even though the Rams Easily. did not improve, the Rams are... A, like barely a year removed from a Super Bowl appearance. I would say also maybe if that was if you're seeing out of all the teams, maybe the NFC South. I think. Right. On, yeah. Panthers maybe. Um, but I mean, NFC West. It'd be the, it'd be those two divisions. I think would most likely to be like to have like the two like full teams that are there. I get what you're saying, Fonz. I think the NFC South has a huge – they're the biggest quarterback division in football now. You have Breeze, mm-hmm. you have Brady, you have Matt Ryan, and you have Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think the Saints are in a position to still be a lead team in the league after Breeze retires. I did not think that last year. I thought the Saints had a window and they were starting to miss it. But now you look at the young talent on this offense and Kamara, Michael Thomas, the Saints are on the rise. I mean, yeah, it's tough to replace a guy like Drew Brees. What do you guys think about that? Do you think the Saints have a window and they have to win now? Or do you think the Saints are good for the next five years, possibly? I, I think they need to win like, within the next two years or so. I think so? Yeah. I think with Drew Brees' age. I mean, listen, I think I mean, Brees has a chance, yes, but also Father Time is always undefeated. And, you know, I, I think if Brees is down, I mean, I'm not going to I don't think Taysom Hill. I don't know. I mean, I get the hype with Taysom Hill, but I don't think he would be the guy that can take you to a Super Bowl and whatnot. That's just me. There, there is a window. I don't see it within. I wouldn't expand it to the next five years. I would go along with the one to two years, like Fonz was saying. Here's. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm just having a problem, guys, because they signed Janoris Jenkins, they signed Malcolm Jenkins. <laughs> They improve their secondary a lot. They still have Cameron Jordan, Sheldon Rankings, Malcolm Brown, Marcus Davenport, the Mario Davis. We saw what Alex Anzalone could do last year. And they have Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Williams. That's a deep defense, and that defense is all young. I mean, besides Janoris Jenkins and Malcolm Jenkins. That defense is very, very young, guys. That's that's my only argument that's going to keep them towards the top. I think that with the problem, the biggest problem, and yes, the defense is very good, there's no doubt, but we saw Drew Brees kind of descend a little bit last year towards the end of the season. He was throwing more interceptions. He was being a little more sloppy. Uh, they, they've they been to the playoffs now so close year in and year out the last two, three years, and they just have not been able to get it done. I would say this is their last year. And the argument with Taysom Hill, this is my argument. 
I don't think that they really believe in Taysom Hill. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Taysom Hill. Why was he not the starting quarterback last year when Drew Brees got hurt? Why was it Teddy Bridgewater? The guy that's been out for so long and couldn't get playing time at all when Taysom Hill has been within the same system now for a decent chunk of years. Why does Teddy Bridgewater get the starting opportunity who, when a guy, again, who has not played uh, consistently uh, since losing his job with Minnesota due to his injury, why is it that he got the job over Taysom Hill? It's because I, they feel that he was probably the more capable quarterback. And I think they're, keep, they're keeping Taysom Hill because they could use him as a positionless player. I don't. He. I think we could agree that he doesn't have a position. We've seen him uh, as a kick returner, a punt returner. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So people like a tight end. It's. A, I don't think that they believe in him as a consistent quarterback piece. Right. This is my argument. Now, wasn't Taysom Hill also hurt when Breeze got hurt? Um, I don't remember if that was the case, but I'm going to say this: the Saints took. Bridgewater as their starter because of his experience. I still don't think Taysom Hill hasn't been in the league very long. I don't think yeah. uh, max three to four years and the saints like him and Kyle, you're right. They like him where he is because of the things that he can do. And the saints missed that last year. Um, when Bre- both breeze and Bridgewater were at quarterback, they didn't have him for a few games. They missed him. And I think he has, you know, a lot of qualities similar to Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, not saying his talent is at that same level. We've yet to really seen like a strong enough sample size of him to make that judgment. But in the bits and pieces we've seen him, something big happens every time he's on the field. Um, and what was it? Two year, 50 million, something like that for Taysom. I forget what it was, but, uh, Bridgewater, you mean? Uh, no, Taysom Hill. Bridgewater got three and fifty. That I know, but Taysom Hill got re-signed too. So no, Brid- Taysom Hill got a first-round tender. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Breeze got the two-year. Bridgewater yeah. got three years, sixty-two million or something like that. Right. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's it's all speculation right now, but um, yeah, I think that's pretty much. Uh, the deal. The NFC South is going to be a dogfight, as it always is. Guys, any final thoughts here before we sign off tonight? It was great having you all on. It's always good to chat it up, wrap up the week in sports, talk some free agency. It's a crazy time now with really nothing going, no sports really going on. But with the NFL free agency, it's helping us out. The content will never stop. So, yeah, uh, always a pleasure talking to you guys about sports. That's right. Uh, yeah. James, any, any, any final thoughts? No, listen, we... We covered everything. I'm looking forward to this football season. Uh, whenever that kicks off, hopefully as scheduled. Um, I am looking forward to one quick thing, um, that NFL draft, since it's supposed to be more remote, where it seems like they won't be in their war room. It will be mostly in a bedroom or a living room or a kitchen doing it. So I'm very looking forward to that outcome. Kyle? I'll say it again. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The NFL draft is one of my favorite times, if not the most favorite time for football season. My favorite time in sports. I can't wait till April 23rd. 
With that being said, uh, next week, get your pens and papers ready, folks. We're going to have a mock NFL draft live on Review and Preview. Looking forward to it. I know Fonz is happy. Fonz has been doing some for JDF, so you're looking forward to it. Love mock drafts. James and Kyle, come prepare, and I'm sure you guys will be ready. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Yeah, so pretty much that's it for tonight's show. We hope you all enjoyed our videos on 2019. That was awesome. We're going to come up with some more content, obviously, because now we're in a time where there's not any sports going on at the moment. So, I mean, besides WrestleMania, which is to- tomorrow. Uh, yeah, and the NFL I'm looking forward to that one, too, even though it's yeah. at the arena. So, should be interesting. Um, yeah, Fonz, has been doing, you've been, I see you've been doing some nice pieces on WrestleMania. I mean, it's weird. Like, that's the only thing on. And yeah, Triple H I, keeps I it going. on that. I mean... It, they sh- it's so weird doing shows at MTV because it's that type of event where you kind of need crowd reacting to it. So I'm interested to see how the thing goes. Apparently, it was already been taped. Like a bunch of stuff's been taped the past couple of weeks. Since this stuff is kind of predetermined and scripted, I think it would have been a good time to just kind of hit pause on everything and let you know the wrestlers and whatnot just take a break and stay quarantined and whatever. But you can kind of jump back into it a few months later and just be like, all right, we hit the play button. We're back into everything. Like nothing happened, but... You know they're gonna. The show must go on, as they say. So, but we'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week. Speaking of the show must going on, the show will go on next week here live Friday night eight to ten on Review and Preview. We will be live on Facebook on behalf of Fonz Falco, Kyle Russo, James Montefusco. I'm your host Tom Scavetta, wishing you guys a good evening. You have been watching Review and Preview on Facebook Live, Google Hangouts. Good night, everyone. Watching, watching. As the credits all roll down, crying, crying, you know we're playing to a full house.